Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. We're able to last through those things and the enemy's not able to tear to take us out, tear us down. And so this is uh, the second of the series in this. And today we're going to talk about, I'll probably see if I can't get through three things that are things that can be hindrances to us, things that we can see God tear down, some walls maybe that are there that we need to see come down in our life. And what will God put in place of that to help us so that we can last, so we can be built to last. Lord, I pray right now as we spend the next few moments talking about these things and, and in your word, looking at scripture, God, it's so important for us to go back to your word. What does the word say? What does the word say? So we're going to look at some of your truths in the word this morning. Lord, I pray that our ears would be able to hear what you have for us today and our hearts would absorb and we would be able to walk out the things that we're going to learn today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. The first word that I'm going to put up here today is the word ignorance. Ignorance. Basically, lacking knowledge or comprehension. Lacking knowledge or comprehension. Now, many times we're not aware of what's going on around us, and we can be ignorant of that. We can tend to maybe be ignorant so that we don't experience something, whether we feel guilty or certain things that happen in our life. But it's not an excuse. Ignorance is an excuse that we can build a wall of our life on. There's things we have to move forward in in our life, and we have to learn. And so that we need to become students of the word. That's part of, as believers, that we engage in that process. It's interesting because several years ago when I went through the Basic Law Enforcement Academy, one of the sections was on criminal law. And I didn't realize how thick the RCW book, (laughs) the Code Book of Washington, is for all the things that you're supposed to know as somebody who got their driver's license in the state of Washington to be able to drive. I remember when I was 16 and I took the test and passed the test, I got my license, man, I was out on the road. Now I knew what the word stop meant and I could tell, I knew the three colors on the lights and the speed limit signs and those kind of things. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know, but that was no excuse to be ignorant of whatever the laws were. My wife is in the nursery tonight or today and I know I always talk to her about like, well, If I say this or whatever, I never want to throw her under the bus, ever. And you guys know that because you go talk to her anyway. But just one of her thoughts about speed limits, she jokes about it, says, well, a speed limit is just a suggestion because that's her thought process. Well, we know that that's not accurate, although she'll tell you that and try to be very firm on that. But the reality is the speed limit is there for a reason. There's, there's a law there that says, hey, this is the limit, how fast you can go. When you get pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and you said, well, officer, I don't really believe that that should be the law. Does that change anything? No, it's still the law. <laughs> Interesting. So we're responsible for that, but we understand that grace happens at times in our life. How many have been pulled over and not gotten a ticket? Me. That's good. That's grace. Now, one of the things that I realized as being a police officer (laughs) before and knowing so many police officers that the majority of people tend to not be truthful when you engage in a conversation with them. 
if they only knew that if they were truthful, grace is there in a lot of cases. And so in our lives as Christians, you know, when something is presented to us and there's something and we're trying to wiggle our way out of it with God, he's just like, well, just say, hey, yeah, Lord, I messed up. And the grace is there in our life. It's, it works that way. And whatever we believe, like if we don't believe that the speed limit is, should be what it is, it does not change the consequences of whatever that is. So whatever you believe about the Bible, because you might say, I don't believe that, it doesn't change the consequences of whatever that God put in his word. It doesn't change that. And so, you know, the things that I hear the buzz around is becoming more accepting, supposedly. Example like sexual sins, we're supposed to accept those now because we're, our culture is shifting towards that. And so that's kind of where we are. Interesting thing when I thought about that, I thought, you know what, if you look in the Bible, in the Bible days, it was every bit as bad or worse then than it is now. There wasn't any talk about a culture shift or changing the Bible or what it says based on the habits of people. So the reality is that the word is the word, and when we go read it, no matter what. Now, we talked last week in Galatians 5, and 23, and talked about the fruit of the Spirit, which is amazing. One of those fruits comes into play when, it, when we're talking about these things. It's called self-control. So when we put the fruit of the Spirit in place. Now, I want to read a portion of Scripture here. And it's not on the screen, but I'm going to ask you, please don't say amen to any of the words I read. Because if you do say amen, that means that you think you believe you have full control over this issue in your life. And therefore, you probably have pride. And we talked about pride last week. So don't say amen when I read these things because, so we'll go through these things. Every one of these things that I'm reading in Galatians chapter 5, every one of them has this place that says, these are not good. These are sinful. We don't participate in these, and we don't partake in these things. But people tend to put more emphasis on others, and there's reasons why in some cases that people would do that. But let me read to you in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. It says this. Now, this is the Bible. I'm reading it right out of the Bible. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Okay, get that clear. Sexual immorality. Oh, first of all, I'll just say on this, I'm not going to be on each one, but people might ask, well, what is sexual immorality? That's any, anything immoral in the area of sex that takes place. See, sex was designed between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. So we understand that. So it's able to be designed and be able to translate that. So we keep going. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I read through a lot of those, and I'm telling you, I've had a challenge going, hmm, that's me. Okay, I need to be educated by the word here. Now, in here, it doesn't say those of you who have maybe participate or whatever. It's, this becomes something that you are practicing or you're living this lifestyle, whatever this is, because we all deal with these things from, in our life, okay? We understand that we're, we're humans, we're flesh, we sin. And then it goes on, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And guess what? There's no law against those things. 
those are all good. And we can do those things when we practice those things. It helps frees us from those other things. So these are all equally sinful in God's eyes. The consequences may vary only because, well, if you think of something like maybe jealousy or envy, the consequences of those may not be as much as sexual sins where it can really be harmful or dangerous, not only to yourself, but to others. If we, there's a scripture here in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a balance because grace is necessary in our life, but so is truth. There's a balance there, and we see that. There is an author named Dan Allender. I want to read a quote from one of his books. He says this, If we fail to anticipate thoughtfully how we will respond to the harm of living in a fallen world, the pain may be for naught. It will either numb or destroy us rather than define and even bless us. Healing in this life is not the resolution of our past. It is the use of our past to draw us into deeper relationship with God and his purposes in our life. I like that. That's good. And to, to think about that, it's how we respond. We're living in a fallen world. It could numb us or destroy us, but we need it to help define or maybe bless us. And that's God's heart in that. Romans 10, starting in verse 1, says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayers to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with him. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. This is good. See, this is part of getting out of that or that wall of ignorance to be eliminated in our life. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You can say amen now. Amen. It was just that one scripture. I didn't want to get you, I didn't want pride to seep in anybody, so it was all good. Now you can say amen, because these are, <laughs> it's okay. First Peter 1, starting in verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. This is our goal, and this is where we're going and we're striving for. The holiness of Christ, the holiness of God. We were singing this morning about all of our passion should be directed to him and for him. So often we misdirect our passion and it goes in other places. And he's asking us, redirect it back to me. Because when we do that, these other things come into place. The fruit of the Spirit becomes active in our life. And it becomes so much easier to be obedient to the things of the Lord. So added knowledge sets a pillar for us to be built to last. It's very important for us. So what happens then when ignorance gets removed from our situation. We're free to gain knowledge. 
The fact or condition of knowing something with familiarity gained through experience or association. Now, knowledge is a powerful tool that we can use in our daily life, and it's important for us. Since knowledge comes from some type of learning experience, it helps us in making better choices in life that can lead to success and productivity. The caution we must be aware of is that knowledge, although it helps, doesn't necessarily shield us from deception. We still must be cognizant of the enemy's schemes. And we've talked about this before, being aware of the enemy's plots and his schemes and what he's about. We don't focus on the enemy. We focus on Jesus Christ. But we need to be aware of his tactics and his evil ways. So it's important for us. Just because we have knowledge doesn't mean that we're immune from the things that the enemy throws at us. Jump to Proverbs chapter 1 for me, starting in verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and in successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is... It sets up for the reading of Proverbs. And I would encourage you to read Proverbs. They're really good. They're very convicting as well. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 and 11 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. I think that makes sense. When we make wise choices, wise decisions, it, it helps us. It gives us a little bit more life. It allows us to be built to last. Proverbs 18.15 says, Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. If we're making one bad decision after another in our lives, then we possibly need to take a look at what we are allowing ourselves to be influenced by. Because we all have influence in our life. And if we're making bad decisions, <laughs> we're probably getting some information in that may not be what it should be, whether it's from the enemy for maybe somebody around us. In Proverbs 24, 5 says, The wise are mightier than the strong, and those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. The Bible tells us about surrounding ourselves with wise counsel, having good advisors around us, and that's so important. One thing that I've noticed over the years when people are making bad choices, what I've noticed is there's usually a direct correlation with them either eliminating or vastly reducing the amount of wise counsel in their life. I notice that. People, they squeeze those people out. Now, <laughs> finding someone to agree with your bad choice is not finding a wise counsel. Because I know that's tendency for us, right? I just need somebody to agree with this bad decision I'm making that'll help me. No, that's not wise counsel. We need to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who can help us. And I tell you what, when somebody comes to me and tells me an area where I'm struggling or I've got a blind spot, at first it doesn't feel very good. 
But I know it's for my own good. It's for strengthening my foundation and the pillars that God is wanting to put in my life so that I can be strong when the tests come and the trials come. God's heart is never to destroy us. Sometimes we think that he's out to get us. God, why'd you do this? Why'd you allow this? And the reality is that's not God's heart and that's not him, but it's the enemy that comes after our soul. He's constantly trying to come after us. That's why it's so important that we get these things established in our life and build the strong foundation that we have. Philippians 1, verse 9 through 11. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. There's so much in the Bible about knowledge and wisdom and making good choices and right choices. And it's there for us. Then the last verse of scripture in this particular one is so in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. See, these are good reaffirming words to us to know that when we're on the right track and we're allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow because of the knowledge and we're learning. And it, it's the decisions we make. It's how we respond in the challenging times that helps us grow. Because it could take us out. It could destroy us. We kind of have to come back when we turn to God and say, God, man, I need you. And we begin the journey back because he's so faithful. His mercies are there. His grace is there. Like Heather said earlier, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He just says, hey, I'm there. I'm picking you up. And come on, let's go. Let's do this thing again. It's like he told the woman at the well, hey, you've been messing up, but it's time to stop. Just turn things around. Don't do it anymore. He, he gives us the counsel we need. It's a matter of us then listening to that counsel and then making better decisions. The next wall that we need to probably see come down in our life is doubt. Doubt is such a big thing. Uncertainty of belief or opinion that often interferes with decision making. Man, how many of us deal with doubt? Probably on a daily basis. We doubt things. It's one of our biggest roadblocks to living an abundant life in Christ. I believe it is. Because we doubt, and it's our human nature to doubt. Now we'll see incredible things happen from time to time, and it's awesome when we go, oh, yeah, that's God. That's amazing. Didn't you see what God did? And then the, the next week, something comes, and then for some reason we doubt that God can't do that again. That's our human nature. Well, that was an anomaly, or that maybe that wasn't God. The reality is... You know, here we see the story of Peter. Remember when he was in prison and he was chained up and he had all of the intercessors back praying for his release. They were going after it for God. They were believing and they were praying for his release, right? <laughs> Peter, God miraculously frees him from jail. And so he comes to their house. He's outside the gate and he knocks on the door. And it was at Rhoda comes to the door, and she hears Peter's voice on the other side of the door. She gets so excited, she doesn't even open the door, and she runs back in, Peter's here, Peter's here. They're all like, be quiet, we're praying for Peter's release from prison. <laughs> it's like, come on, get back. He's still knocking on the door out there. He's probably thinking, oh my goodness, I love these intercessors, but <laughs> God just freed me from prison. He wants to tell this story. But 
even when we're praying and seeking God and we're doing what right, what's right and the answer comes and, and it's right there, it's, sometimes we doubt. So it's kind of a natural thing. Can't be Peter. Must be an angel or something. But it was Peter. Many believers doubt that people in our community are interested in the, the good news of Jesus Christ. But then there's also many people in our community that doubt the church really cares about them. So there's this doubt that just sort of lingers out there. But there's a hope that the believers can breed a confidence and a hope that is there. There's a power that can touch the lives of each person in our community that comes from our having a relationship with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit when we're out and about in our community, that that doubt can be erased with our boldness and the hope that lies in us that we can share with people and, the, and making that connection. Matthew 14, starting in 29, here's Peter again. <laughs> this is Peter being on the other side of it now. This is when, when Jesus came walk up, walking up on the water and he's calling out to Peter, hey. And Peter's like, hey, can I come out there? Out on the water. So here we start in verse 29. So Peter went over the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. We sit back and armchair quarterback this story, don't we? Well, if that would have been me, I would never have, you know. But we do that. When Jesus gives us a word, we step out and then some wind comes up and we think, well, that shouldn't happen. It must not be Jesus. When the reality is he allowed that wind, that wave, to come into our life, to strengthen us, not take us down, to look even stronger to him and to draw on him even more. Peter doubted at that moment. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He started to sink. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, I love this, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Really? They've been hanging around with this guy for a little while. They're just now kind of getting it. But that's kind of, if you think the disciples had a challenge with their faith at times, and they're hanging out with the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. So I think we probably can understand why we have doubt in our life. So how, do we, how are we able to get that wall down in our life. Well, we become free to live by faith, which is belief, trust in, and loyalty to God without doubt or question. Firm belief in something you cannot see. Faith is something we get to practice every day in our life. We do. There's something there. Our vision must be bigger for us to accomplish. It's got to be bigger than what we can see or do on our own without God's help. Because if what our vision is can be done without God, then it's not his vision for us is then why would we need him, right? We need him. We need his divine intervention in our life, whatever that is, because he wants us to go to him. Given the fact that it's impossible to please God without faith, which I struggle with it from time to time with that, and it's not that we want to heap condemnation on ourselves because that's not God's heart. He's just simply telling us that your life becomes so enriched and so much better when we step out of the boat in the midst of whatever it is and believe in and trust him because the end result of that is such an increased passion and desire for him and he's trying to get us to that place. So I can see his side of it where he's thrilled. It's like us as if those of you are parents and you say something to your child and that they do and you get totally excited when they come running to you and and trust you and run into your arms. It's, and it's a great feeling. 
Because if you said, hey, come here, come here, and they just turned and went the other way, kind of disheartening a little bit. <laughs> so we understand that. Although our kids are all kind of finicky at times, and they do those things. But in their heart of hearts, they love us as parents. Luke 17, starting in verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. In other words, it doesn't take much to release that trust and faith in God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have faith. Because you have faith to believe in something you can't see, but you see the results of it, which is incredible. And he's saying, just continue to walk in that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Man, he's got good things. And he wants that for us. He wants us to experience all the goodness that he has. And it's our walls that we put up so often that keep us from experiencing that. And he simply wants to just take those walls down. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows, arrows of the devil. We're talking about all of the body armor, all the things that we need. And we're talking about the shield of faith, which is something that we need to hold to have to take and stop anything that the enemy tries to throw at us. We're given those things for a reason. Hebrews 11, 6 and 7, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Can you think about if you were in Noah's shoes, something that never happened? Can you imagine if you went around telling everybody in your neighborhood that next week a spaceship's going to land in your front yard and to come show up and get on the spaceship? People just think you're crazy. That's what Noah was dealing with. That's why it was counted him faith to do something. It never rained. You can tell somebody, you tell your neighbors, it's going to start raining. Not only that, it's going to flood the ground. It'll flood. So I'm building this big boat. <laughs> it's, it's such a crazy idea. The last one that I'm going to talk about today is mistrust. Mistrust. To have no trust or confidence in. Breaking somebody's trust is really difficult to repair. But it can be done. People need to be able to trust each other. They do. It's our best interest of heart if we do trust people. We trust each other. But we must point people to put their trust in God, not to put their trust in man. Because as human beings, we will fail each other. So we have to give, we talked about this like last week, giving space to each other for the mistakes, space to grow, space to make adjustment, allow the Holy Spirit to work. So it's because we're trusting God, but we still, there's, there's a trust that we build in each other. When we were raising our kids, we would periodically talk about trust. And we would allow the kids to do certain things, and they would do those things. But we always said, hey, we trust you in this 100%. But if you break our trust in this, there's a process of rebuilding. So if we say you can ride your bikes up and down the street and you do that, we have no problem with that. We trust you 100%. 
But if all of a sudden you take your bike and you ride it over to the mall somewhere and didn't tell us and we have no idea, okay, then we start over and we put some restrictions. We sort of rebuild that. And it can eventually be rebuilt. We would talk about these things as our kids were growing up. It's important. And so there's needed repair that needs to happen. We need to give space for that because we can't just tell somebody, well, you need to trust me now. Yeah, but you just messed me over. Well, there is forgiveness. There's all those things, and we understand how that works. But there is a process, and it's a rebuilding. But it can happen because we trust in Jesus Christ. So truth does go both ways in relationships. Satan goes to the greatest lengths to get somebody to mistrust somebody, especially in marriages. Man, because that's the, you're constantly living life together, and stuff happens in marriages. And marriages is a lot of work. But the enemy, he seeks to bring destruction to marriages, especially because he feels like, if I, can, if I can break up the family, we're talking about Christian families, if I can break up the family, I can break up the church. And if I can break up the church, then I'm becoming successful in what my mission is, and that's the enemy. And we have to be set and strong and say, no, the enemy's not going to win. He's not breaking up my family. And he put the husband, the father, the head of the home, there's a reason it's not that he's lording over his wife or the kids. There's a proper step because there's responsibility. There's biblical things we don't have time to go into, but the covering that is there provided is so important. Second Samuel 22, starting in verse 1. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He's my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. He's our rock. He is there. He will save us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's where we get messed up because we get in our head, and we think with our own thought process. And our thoughts aren't God's and his aren't ours. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. So often I see people run from church. They run from God. They run from the Bible and they go seek, they go seek something. They're seeking their own answer somewhere else when the reality is they need to be running to God. They need to be running to the word and says, seek him in everything we do. This is the good thing I like about Jesus Christ because he said, when you're messed up the most, run to me. <laughs> That's when I do my best work. And he loves it when we come to him. He will show you which path to take. Then Proverbs 28, 25, and 26. Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. There's a lot of stuff I'm throwing out here today that can really help us build foundation. There's spiritual things and there's practical things for us. Then the last part of this, and the worship team can come as I uh, finish this up, but it allows us when we can get that wall of mistrust down and begin to rebuild, it frees us to trust. Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something, one in which confidence is placed. First of all, again, we put our trust in Jesus Christ, and that leads us to trust God for those who has he's placed in our life alongside of us to fight this battle in life that we do together. As we trust each other, we'll gain victory together and we'll be able to celebrate together. And that's important. There's unity that comes when we build trust and trust in the Lord and trust in each, each other. Psalm 5 <clears throat> 
11 and 12, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. I love that, the shield of love. Psalm 9, 9 and 10, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So many times we say, God, where are you? But he's there and he's waiting for us. Psalm 91, two, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Do we trust him? Yes. If we trust him, we have to let go of control. It's hard because we want to manipulate and control people or things that happen around us. But let's let God in and let him help lead and let him help guide in our decision making. Next week, I'm going to cover three other things that are very important. But as we continue our Built to Last series, I want to talk about wounding, criticism, and powerlessness. And we're going to see God build strong foundation and walls in those areas. Would you stand this morning? We're just going to ask God to really establish some strong foundations, strong walls in our lives. Because just like what happened to Peter when he walked out on the water, the, the storm happens, the waves, it was a test. You're going to be tested. I promise you, you're going to be tested. And you're going to think about this when you're being tested, maybe not at the moment, but at some point. Oh yeah, Pastor Steve said this was coming. Recognize it. It's the enemy coming after you. Now God's allowing this because he wants to see you grow and have a strong foundation. It's not the person that's living with you. It's not the person that it's your neighbor, your coworker. They aren't, they aren't the problem. <laughs> it's the principalities and powers and the ruler of this darkness that comes to try to infiltrate. So we need to go after him. We need to intercede and pray together and say, honey, I recognize you're not the one who's doing this to me. It's the enemy. So let's hold hands right now and we're going to claim victory over this situation, whatever it is. Let's sing this song as we're going to close the service. But again, you're welcome to come to the front and seek the Lord if you want to do that. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. If you anything that's going on in your life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, I tell you what, this is your day. He loves you so much. And he has a great plan for your life. It's not going to take you out of all of the struggles and problems, but it, what it does is it puts him right in the middle of them all. <laughs> and he walks with us through those things. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 